The trade deadline is in the books, and the biggest stories from the local experts here on Locked On NBA. Obviously, we start in Cleveland with Chris Manning, host of Locked On Cavaliers, about all the moves that Kobe Altman made. We move to Los Angeles to talk to Anthony Irwin about the Lakers and where they stand, and then we'll stop in Denver with Adam Modest to find out what the Knicks got in Emmanuel Moutier and what those moves mean for the Denver Nuggets and the addition of Devin Harris. That's the biggest stories, the local experts, as only the Locked On Podcast Network can deliver. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, everything's got to start with and maybe stop with the Cavaliers. Chris Manning is the host of Locked On Cavaliers probably feels like he's hosting all my children young and the restless and any other soap opera that once lived in era bygone uh chris bottom line going into today was was your feeling that they just had to do something dramatic that it was living this day to day that it was just untenable to go on any longer yeah, I was of the opinion that this is a team that needed some major change, but I wasn't sure they would have this, the the gumption really to to go all in like this. Um, it, you know, it's, this isn't a, a full on win now veterans move, so and that that's worth kind of noting. But I, I think this is more of a shakeup than I, I expected. I, I didn't expect them to trade Isaiah Thomas. I I know I had a lot of people arguing for it, and I and in my head I thought that was kind of going to be the right move, but. This team overhauled itself in one day. They basically traded every bad contract. You could argue the J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson contracts could have been shedded as well if you went all in on certain players like DeAndre. But I think if you look at the other deals they got off of, they're not paying them on Shumpert anymore. I, they don't. They don't have the Isaiah contract hanging over their head, and they, it, it just is. A, it feels like a reboot of of this team. And we're, the Kevin Love injury throws a wrinkle into how long it's going to take us to really evaluate this team because he's not going to play with this group for weeks. But this is basically, in my mind, this is a whole new cast team. I think there, there's a lot of questions to, to be asked, and, and we'll have to see. It's going to take a while, um, especially because the All-Star break is coming up as well. But I, I think this team had to do this. Being around them, hearing how Isaiah has openly thrown barbs at people, the the general mood around the team, I think something like this had to be done, and, and I think they deserve credit for going for it. LeBron's taken heat for being too difficult to be around. I've heard people in the league have said to me, hey, they know LeBron's leaving, so they're not engaged. Isaiah took a lot of shots. Do you think that they eradicated whatever the cancerous element was today? I, I think that is remains to be seen, and I, and I think it's worth noting the Channing Fry him going out is going to be a change in the locker room. He was the last pillar of that group that really was able to hold the, the, the drama of the Cavs accountable. And him not being there, I think, is a loss for their culture. Maybe Perk comes in and fills that in, uh, and with their not two open roster spots. But I think this is the right step towards doing it. I, I think it's clear him and Isaiah were not getting along. I think it's clear they had just a, a number of issues with the general overall mood in that locker room. And I think this is 100% the first step uh, to to getting to the point where this is a better off team. And we'll have to see how these guys gel. It's not as if these are LeBron cohorts that he's played with before and, and, and whatnot. And some of these guys are young and are coming from – have never played together. But I think this is the right step towards getting there. One thing that's interesting to me about Cleveland right now is that every other year when new players join the team, they got better playing with LeBron. This year they all got worse. Any reason for that? 
I, I think if you look at, uh, I think there are r- reasons we can guess at. I think Isaiah, it's just clear that he was not right. You look at his hip, you look at um, the the role he was, he just needs to play and what he did in Boston. That, that transition was just a lot for him, especially with that hip injury. The Jay Crowder one is a bit more of a mystery to me because I, I, I think it's fair to look at what happened right when he got traded to the Cavs in the, with the passing of his mother. And, and the, the, it doesn't seem like he was ever fully in shape, but the drop-offs he's had in his three-point shooting and his rebounding um, are particularly were particularly troublesome, I think. And it, it, there's, a I think, a real argument to me that Jeff Green has been a much better player than Jay Crowder this year, and that's not something I would I would have said a couple months ago. I think with Crowder, I think it's that. I think he probably took a beating guarding fours. He was kind of always doing the, the dirty work, so LeBron really wasn't playing on defense. So I, I think that contributes there. Um, and, and then you look like a guy like Derrick Rose. I just don't think Derrick Rose is good anymore. Um, and, and I think you, the combination of those of these guys all coming in for different reasons, just all struggling. I think I don't know if it's a little, I don't really know if it's because of LeBron in any way. I think some of, you can explain it with other things. Even if LeBron probably wasn't always the easiest guy to to learn how to coincide with, there's an adjustment period for everybody. But um, it seemed especially drastic for outside factors in addition to just the new situation. All right, what is this team now? What do you guess? What? How do you think they'll use all these guys? I think the first question we'll have to determine is who's going to be the starting lineup. Um, I, I think I really am intrigued by the idea of starting Larry Nance at center. Um, I think you could utilize him in interesting ways. It would give them protection for Kevin Love. Tristan just can't. They're a little bit deeper now. Um, I think if they're really going to play rookie J.D. Osman, who I, I really like, and they're going to play all the wings there, they, they kept um, – and everything, I think they have an 11-man rotation, at least in the regular season. Now, Jetty and somebody else will get cut um, from that rotation come the playoffs, assumedly. But if they're a little deeper now, I think they have more shooting now. So I think you could see them go back to something that resembles more of what they were in years past when they had all that shooting. And, and they're a little longer now defensively. Um, you can, you certainly can speak to Rodney Hood better than I can, but he seems like he's a guy that's going to fit in really nicely in the wing. George Hill will be the best point guard defender LeBron has had since he's come back um, and, and will be the opposite of Isaiah at that position. And I think that's a good thing, especially when, when Kevin Love gets back. Um, I, I think they're going to, so I think they're going to be better defensively. I know RPM projects them uh, around league average or a little better than league average with these new pieces, but it's, it's depending on how Lou employs things and what he changes, that's really going to tell us. But my best guess is they're going to be a little better at shooting three. They're going to be better on defense. And I, and I think they're going to be a little deeper in moving forward. Do you think they're the favorite in the East again? I mean, if I was, I'll put it this way. If I was Boston or Toronto, I would not feel great about my chances against the Cavs. I think you, when you have, neither of those teams really still have an answer for LeBron. And it, I think both of them are great. Toronto in particular is someone I think has been fantastic. But if this if this proves to solve some of the Cavs' issues and we get to the point where we can look at this group and say they're better defensively, and they solved those issues um, that they were having, and LeBron is playing as well as he had. He's been incredible this season, even when he's not playing that hard on defense. I think there, there's a good argument to me that this team could end up being that much better. Now, they're going to be different. I think there's there's questions we still really will need to see answered, but I, I, I feel much better. If I, was, if I was the Cavs today, after the trade deadline, I'd feel much better about the chances of making the finals again than I would have before the deadline. What's your concern that prevents you from feeling comfortable. I don't love Jordan Clarkson. Um, I think he, he I, I kind of like what he brings a little bit, but I'd be a little concerned about how he's going to fit defensively. Um, I know Hood has had some injuries, and that's a concern. And you know, how will will Nance is is Larry Nance ready for this? And 
you know, and, and this is, I think, a big test for Tyron Lue. I'm higher on him as a coach than I think a, a lot of general NBA fans are, but I think he's a guy who is going to have a chance to prove himself here. Is he going to be malleable with his defensive schemes? Is he going to know what lineups were, can be willing to make the right adjustments? And I and I think how that weighs out. And, and also, how the, how fast can these guys first acclimate to playing with LeBron and, and getting used to that di- difference than they've ever had? Um, I mean, for for Hood, for example, the he, Gordon Hayward's the closest thing he's had to playing with a guy that's going to dominate the ball that much, and and that. But this is another level of that. And then how, when Kevin Love comes back, and when he comes back, is one of the top three stories in my mind to watch going forward. If he can come back before the end of the regular season, and they can get five, six games in, and they can, and they end up still having a a top three seed in the East. I, I think that will do them a lot of good. But if he can't come back until right when the playoffs start. That's going to put a lot of pressure on them um, once the playoffs actually do get going. When he comes back, it's, in my mind, it's truly one of the three most important keys to the rest of the season. Are you at all surprised they just cleared the cap space for LeBron's next team? That That is the one thing that I am very curious about. And Kobe Altman hasn't spoken yet, and I'm very curious to see how he handles that. But he, not only just not only just doing that for the Lakers, and now they have the cap space to get Paul George and LeBron James, but you gave them an extra pick, and I, that's the the one critique, I, the major critique I have of this is they gave I think that extra asset that maybe wasn't necessary for that deal. It's it's protected to top three, I believe, so that's going to go to the Lakers this year. Um, they still have the Nets pick, so they have a first round pick. But I, I think that was a little too much. I think the deal ultimately ends up being good to the point where like those players should help you. But I, it is a little weird that that is what they did, and I, but. My my feeling on LeBron is also it's not a foregone. It's way too early in my mind that he's going to uh, talk about the Lakers. It's we have a lot of basketball to play. I I kind of am of the, in the camp that it makes more sense that he wants to find a way to stay in Cleveland, but we'll get there in the July. And I think the the a lot the basketball has to be played before. I think he can even make a proper decision on that. Was this were these moves today more to have LeBron be interested in staying or to have a foundation if LeBron leaves? I think it's a bit of both because I you look at George Hill, he's a perfect fit now, and and is under contract through next season. Larry Nance is someone that I can help you right now, but also is is going to be up for a contract this summer. But he's, it's a good time to have someone up for a contract because there's not going to be much cap room. You can then bring him back if LeBron leaves or not. Same thing with Rodney Hood. You could keep him around and build with him or have him uh, play alongside LeBron in the future. And it's it's worth noting that they're paying more tax money now. I think their, their tax bill now goes up about $7 million as a result of this deal. So I think they, they got pieces that help now. But aside from Hill, who's a veteran who is really – you're looking at the next two years of him – being a, a piece, I, I think it's they, they walked that line as about as much as they could. They, they didn't go all the way in and, and get DeAndre and, and commit to that. Didn't go for veterans, but they, they walked that line, I think, as well as they probably could have. Chris Manning does a great job with Locked on Cavaliers. Biggest stories, local experts. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. All right, let's go check on the Lakers' end of things. Biggest stories, local experts, Anthony Irwin and Harrison Fagan, host Locked on Lakers, do it very, very well. What has Laker fans most excited about this deal, Anthony? Well, it's it's the opportunity to now have an actual chance at signing both LeBron and Paul George. That hasn't been the case. Magic Johnson has said it's the case. He's spoken as if they have already they had already opened up the two max salary spots but they hadn't yet and so this one they 
they now have that opportunity and they somehow got a first round draft pick out of it as well. Some people are, are pretty disappointed about losing Larry Nance Jr. He's a he's he's a the fan favorite, work hard kind of guy. And he'll be he'll be really like well liked out there in Cleveland. But getting rid of Jordan Clarkson's contract is has everybody over the moon out here. There was a comment earlier this week that hey, we're not trying to get LeBron, we're pivoting. <laughs> what was that? It was so there's two ways of looking at it. I I would probably ascribe to the thinking that it was them just trying to gain any kind of leverage that they can. Unfortunately, uh, I think Magic and Palenka both went about their entrance into the Lakers and, and they were way too transparent about how what they wanted to do. And the rest of the NBA knew that, okay, well, at all costs, the Lakers were going to shed as much salary as they could. And the two assets that they could do so with were Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson. And what you started to see and what kept on getting reported was that they – weren't able to teams knew that they weren't going to offer the right kind of deal. And so I think the, the, well, we're just going to punt our salary cap to 2019 and then go about it. Then was magic and Palenka using the media to try to drum up just a little bit more interest. And fortunately for the Lakers, Lou Williams was off the table because he signed his extension with the Clippers and, and Isaiah Thomas remained a disaster out there in Cleveland and, and opportunity struck and, and Rob and magic both took advantage. What is that? What is that? Thomas is sorry. Go ahead. Well, I I was going to say the other, the other stance here was that they were serious about (laughs) what they were saying. And I just, I don't believe it for a second. What is the role of Isaiah (laughs) Thomas on this team and in this franchise? He helps the Lakers get rid of Jordan Clarkson's contract. <laughs> for for right now, that's that's really the upside here. Maybe he can become seventy five percent, seventy percent of what he was in Boston. I just I really I really thought what what happened out there in Boston last year, while it was a great story and it was fun to watch him, felt kind of fool's goldish to me. You, he I just never thought I thought whichever team paid him at the end of his deal was going to be paying him for production that he'd never be able to match. And that's been the case this year. Now Celtics fans will be quick to point out that he's been coming back from that hip injury and all these things, but he just didn't solve any of the problems that they had out there in Cleveland. And for the Lakers, he helps them while Lonzo gets better, and then he goes to the bench. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how well he handles going back to a bench role. According to his agent, he's not ready to. So we'll see, I guess. Do you feel confident that Paul George and LeBron James are coming to the Lakers? No. No, I still think it's a 50-50 proclamation at best. And it's just – you know this – Superstars in the NBA don't they don't like going to be the first piece, the first chip, even the second chip, right? These guys like teaming up. The Warriors exist. The Houston Rockets exist. The Boston Celtics exist, right? And and yes, the Lakers can now sit down and they can actually have these meetings and they can offer LeBron the opportunity to play with Paul George, but by a lot of accounts, they don't really run in the same circles. There's an age gap there between the two of them. I think it's a lot more likely that one of those guys, and, and I, would, I, I would probably lean towards it being Paul George, one of those guys comes this year. Maybe they get another Max guy next year or they trade for another Max guy at some point. But I don't think both of those guys are really on the table quite yet. What made Larry Nance movable? <laughs> 
he is the kind of guy that can fit in just about any system. He 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 will work his tail off. He will fit with just about any defense. He the the analytics love him, right? He's a he's a two plus RPM kind of guy, and it also helps that he's from Cleveland, you know, and and they have that local thing that they can point to out there as well. So it helped that it helped that Cleveland was finally willing to include that first round pick and kudos to Larry for outperforming his own draft status and kudos to Clarkson for way outperforming his draft status. And I I just think, I think the deal works out well for both teams for, for, for given the situation that Cleveland was in getting two rotation players for somebody who has not been a rotation player this year in Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye, who is also going in that same direction. Uh, yes, it cost them a first round draft pick, but that first round draft pick doesn't really mean much if, <laughs> if it doesn't help keep LeBron in Cleveland. Final thought. You just added to it, but I want you to give us this. It's one thing to ask Cleveland. Give, you've watched Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance a great deal. How do they help the Cavaliers? Well, Clarkson is longer than Isaiah Thomas, and as such, he's going to, I think, fit better alongside LeBron because he does more of the things that – it's like Isaiah is not a good defender. He is very good on the basketball, but you have LeBron on the basketball, so you don't you don't need a ball-dominant point guard kind of character. And, and Clarkson needs maybe two or three dribbles to succeed. He's especially good coming off of uh, handoffs, and I think it'll be interesting to watch how quickly they develop a chemistry between him and LeBron in those kind of situations. And he he just he he has an ability to be a good defender. I don't think Isaiah Thomas will ever have the ability to be a good defender. And then, like I said, with Larry Nance Jr., he just he just fits everywhere. They're going to love him out there. Anthony, keep up the great work on Locked On Lakers. The biggest stories, local experts. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Next stop, we go to Denver for a quick check on the Nuggets. They unloaded Emmanuel Moutier today, ending that experiment. Adam Matas hosts Locked On Nuggets. Obviously not a big surprise, but maybe give us some insight also from what what do the Knicks get? Is there hope? Is there a chance here? Is Clearly, I think from Denver's standpoint, it was time to pull the ripcord. But is a new environment, is it still there a chance for Moutier? I think Emmanuel Moutier was the perfect buy-low option. I, I by no means really am banking on him turning a corner and turning into a, you know, a great NBA prospect. But he's got a lot of raw tools. You know, he's got the size. He's got good vision at, at times. His outside shot is a lot better than what I think his reputation would suggest. So he's got some tools there. He's got to improve his, def- uh, his decision-making, his finishing at the rim, and, and his defense, and I think he'll be a good prospect. So I'm not counting on it, but I think it was a good, for what the, the Knicks paid, I think it was a really good gamble. I've uh, listened to your show a lot. You talked about getting in the air and, and lack of vision and understanding. Is there any chance there's a different position for him to play than point guard? You know, it's funny, we talk about that a lot here in Denver, just among some of the writers, that maybe he's actually not a point guard, but kind of a playmaking shooting guard. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. When you look at the film from two years ago, as he was coming into the league, I thought he had a lot better vision than he does now. He's become a lot more zeroed in on the rim, a lot more of an attacker who's always looking to get a bucket than than what he was, I think, his rookie season. So I think he just needs a reset, and and maybe even... Um, you know, there's been questions about his coachability, I think, over the years. And maybe this will be one of those situations where it's a fresh start, it's 
some new voices, new perspectives, kind of get him uh, back to what he's doing best. What does he do well? Well, he gets past the first line of defense really, really well. So for a guy his size, and he's going to be, you know, uh, one of the taller and stronger point guards in the NBA at that position, 6'5", but a tall 6'5", um, just with a lot of strength. And he can get by at that size. Usually you're kind of a slower, posted-up type point guard. He's got a really quick first step and seems to be able to, to kind of get into the teeth of the defense whenever he wants. The problem is he really makes a lot of bad decisions once he gets there, and he's not a very good finisher when the shot goes up. So, But he, but he can break a defense down pretty well. You may have answered my next question. What does he do so poorly that if he doesn't fix, nothing else matters? Well, there's one thing in particular. Decision-making, you know, I think a lot of 21-year-old point guards struggle with that. But the one thing that's really surprising is he cannot finish at the rim through mild contact, through mild contesting. He just has such a hard time finishing shots. And as tall as he is and as quick of a first step as he is, he's really not an elite athlete. He doesn't, he doesn't play above the rim. And for a guy 6'5", there should be a lot more, you know, finishing through contact, dunking on people, stuff like that. So he's got to get better at the rim. I think he's shot below 50% every single season that he's been in the NBA or right at the 50% mark. He's got to get better there. Denver is sitting at sixth in the Western Conference, uh, won three in a row. They're also only a half game out of eighth. Uh, what is your feeling on if they needed to have – did they miss a window to do something here? Do they have enough to make sure they make the playoffs? I think that they have enough to make the playoffs. Uh, and it's going to be close. Um, you know, health will probably pay, play a bit of a factor, but – the backup point guard spot was the thing that they needed more than anything else, and they got that in Devin Harris, who's not a great player, but I think he's a steady force for that second unit. The one thing they needed to do that they didn't do, or two things, I should say. One is open up a roster spot for Torrey Craig. He's their two-way player whose 45 days are just about expired. Now Denver might have to buy out a player like Richard Jefferson to open up a spot or just not play with Torrey Craig. And he's, in my opinion, a great eighth or ninth guy. 10 or 15 minutes a game as an on-ball defender. He does a great job in that role. Um, the other thing they needed to do was shed salary for the future. Kenneth Reed's on a huge contract. Wilson Chandler has a player option next year. Uh, Darrell Arthur's also making a lot of money. None of those three guys really are affecting the team in, in a huge way um, other than they're eating up some salary cap for this summer. Endeavor needs to uh, extend Nikola Jokic this summer, and they would like to retain Will Barton services. He's a free agent this year. They probably won't have money to, to hold on to Will Barton unless they move one of those other contracts sometime uh, this summer before free agency begins. When do we see Paul Millsap? Uh, unfortunately, probably not till mid-March. It was supposed to be right after the All-Star break. Uh, that he was out on the court doing dribbling drills and shooting drills, uh, but Malone said he, he expects him early to mid-March, and I thought the emphasis was more on the mid-March than the early part. That was my read on it. Interesting. Adam Otis, great job always with Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for the look at what the Knicks got and where the Nuggets stand. So that is today's edition of Locked on NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts, the Cavaliers, the Lakers, the Nuggets. And we hope to have big announcements coming about Locked on NBA and an expansion of this program. So thanks very much for subscribing. I hope you've subscribed to your local NBA team and your favorite podcast on your favorite team on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.